are glad you could join us today for the Concepts of Faith broadcast. This program is dedicated to teach you how to put the Word of God to work so that it will make a positive difference in the everyday circumstances of your life. And now, here's Charles Caps. If it were true that sickness, disease, and poverty, and all of the troubles of life was the chastening of the Lord, then only Christians would have these problems. Sinners wouldn't have them. Sinners wouldn't be sick if, in fact, sickness was the chastening of the Lord. Now, you hear people say that. Bless their darling, confused hearts. I don't know where they get it, but they say that. Now, see, he said, every son receives chastening. For all sons are partakers of the chastisement. Now, you know why that a sinner does not receive the chastening of the Lord or chastisement of the Lord? Because the chastisement, the training, child training he's referring to here, is from the Word of God. See, he said, you have forgotten the word of exhortation that was spoken unto you. So that's the training that he's talking about. That's the chastisement. And the word chastisement just simply means to child train. You train a child with words. I know there's a lot of people said, well, you know, God sends these problems to us so... He can train us and teach us and chastise us. Well, now what most people call chastisement or child training is not child training at all. It's child abuse. I've heard people say, well, God gave me cancer to teach me something. Well, now what do you suppose that they would do with an individual that you could prove, if you could take him to court in this land and prove that you put cancer on your child or put some kind of terminal disease on your child, if they could prove in court that you did that, you know what they'd do to you? You'd stay in the penitentiary the rest of your life. They call it child abuse. But yet so many people believe that this is what God does to his children. But yet you can look at this and see from what it says that if sickness and disease were the chastening that it's referring to, then only the Christians would be sick. Sinners wouldn't be because the sinners won't receive the chastisement. Now, the reason they won't receive it and the reason they're not chastened is that the Word of God is out there, but they won't receive the Word of God. And that's why it speaks, you've forgotten the word of exhortation which was spoken unto you. Verse 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers after our flesh, which corrected us and gave them reverence, shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Now, here's another key. He says, we have fathers of our flesh that corrected us after the flesh, you see, with a rod. We gave them reverence. But shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits? Now, if he's the Father of spirits, how is he going to chasten us as a spirit. <laughs> you can't chasten a spirit with a stick. You can't chasten him with a sickness or disease. You can't chasten him with all the problems of life. See, he's talking about a spiritual chastening here. It's like the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church. He said, I robbed other churches that I might do you service. I mean, he chastened them with the word, see. He put the word on them. He said, I robbed other people and took money they gave so I could preach to you, and you didn't even pay the bills. Well, they'd rather been beat by a pole than been chastened that way, but he took the word and he chastened them with his words. God chastens us with his word. For verily, they for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our own profit, 
that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, if God were chastening us with sickness and disease and troubles, as some people believe, here he says that it's for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, if it were true what some people believe, then the longer you stayed in the hospital, the more time you spent on the bed of affliction, the holier you would become. Because he says right here that when you're chastened for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. But you know right now that the hospital is full of folks that are not righteous and they're not holy. Don't intend to be. Never intended to be. Didn't make them holy because they got sick. Didn't make them holy because they had a lot of problems in life. See, the chastening of the Lord is the word of the living God. But Psalms 94, verse 12, it said, Blessed is the man whom the Lord teacheth, or reprove, you see, out of his word. Here, the word is reprove. Now, let me give you some other scriptures. In the New Testament, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and verse 4, the same word is translated chastened here in this 12th chapter of Hebrews. It's translated nurture. 2 Timothy 3.16. The same word is translated instruct. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. To say that it's sickness, disease, or some other problem, then we've missed it altogether. And a lot of people have missed it. So now no chastening, for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. In other words, if you're exercised by the word that God puts on you, then, see, it would be profitable to you. Peaceable fruit of righteousness is what it'll produce. Well, I don't know of anybody that ever got the peaceable fruit of righteousness from being sick are from having and suffering the problems and troubles of life. Yet God would work in that situation to try to bring them to God. He always does in any situation the devil puts on you. Wherefore, lift up your hands that hang down in the feeble knees and make straight path of your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and wholeness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, let's notice here, verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and the spirit of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Now see here again, he is still talking about spoken words, whose voice then shook the earth, but now has promised, saying, Yet once more will I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Now, as we look at this, he is talking about here, evidently he's speaking of the millennium. For this word, yet once more signifieth the removing of those things which are shaken, and of things that are made, and those things which cannot be shaken may remain. See, the things that can be shaken will be shaken. When God renovates this earth, 
the former things are going to pass away, the things of darkness, the things of trouble and turmoil and problems. You know, if we could just ever get this over to the world and to the sinner, that sickness, disease, and poverty, and all of these things that come against you in life couldn't come from God, couldn't come from heaven. Because there's not any there. Just stop and ask yourself, how is it in heaven? You know, Jesus prayed a prayer that was absolutely so profound that it is the center of the gospel of the kingdom in Matthew, the sixth chapter. He told the disciples, you pray this way. You pray that the kingdom will come. Now, see, the kingdom hadn't come at that time. And pray that the will of God be done in earth the same as it is in heaven. Now, you know, if the world could understand that, actually, if even the church could understand that today, it'd make a world of difference in the way that we believe and the way that we operate. Jesus told them to pray that God's will will be manifest on earth the same as it is in heaven. It is still God's will today for it to be that way. Now, whether it ever gets that way or not on this planet until Jesus comes, and it won't, it's still the will of God it's still God's will. And he told his disciples to pray that way. In other words, pray that the kingdom would come. Because when the kingdom came, it was possible that the will of God could be done in earth then as it was in heaven. See, we're able to operate in the principles of the kingdom and cause the manifestation of God's will in the planet earth. If we'd operate 100% perfect in the word of God, we could bring it into manifestation. The things that God said. But you see, we're not operating 100% in it. Now, there's coming a time we'll operate 100% in it. And to prove that what he said and what he told them to pray there is the will of God, you have only but to read the back of the book because it says, John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And he said, he heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Now, he said, I will be with them, be their God, and they'll be my people. What actually is brought forth there by John the Revelator, as he saw it, that God is going to move his throne to the earth. He fully intended for this planet to be like the planet heaven. But it didn't turn out that way. That doesn't mean it's not God's will. That means that man missed it. That means that God had to intervene in the system and bring his son into the earth and redeem mankind. But it is the will of God, and it will end up that way. It has always been the will of God for it to be on earth the same as it is in heaven. And that's the purpose of God, and that's the plan of God, and that's why all of the things of the new covenant point to that we have a better covenant. We have a better covenant than the old covenant. God's purpose is that we enter into the provision that he's made for us in this life. Not somewhere later when we get to heaven. I appreciate so much you joining us for the Concepts of Faith broadcast today. Now before I leave the broadcast, I want to remind you that all of this week we have a book offer, number 7507, How to Avoid Tragedy and Live a Better Life. It's a 109-page paperback for $8 plus $3 postage and handling, a total of $11. You know, the Scripture tells us that God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Not because the devil's so great that he can just do things that you can't do anything about. 
but we have to have the knowledge of the Word of God. Now, this book is not intended to be a total answer to the question of tragedy in Christian lives, but it is a scriptural help to understand some unanswered questions in the minds of many. There are some questions that only God himself will be able to answer. Some may not fall into any of the categories in this book, but many will. It is not meant to condemn or belittle anyone, but to help you avoid the things that would bring tragedy in your life. The Apostle Paul makes this statement in 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. In other words, we do some things sometimes that are in opposition to life in Christ and life in itself. The first chapter in this book is called The Destroyer. You need to know who the destroyer is. It is not God. God is not the killer. God is not the one that's causing tragedy. John 10.10 10 is a dividing line of the Bible. The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You need this book. That's offer number 7507 for a total of $11. Toll free order line is 1-877-396-9400. Until tomorrow, this is Charles Caps reminding you the enemy is defeated, God is exalted, and Jesus is coming soon. To order the product offered today, call 1-877-396-9400 or write Charles Caps, P.O. Box 69, England, Arkansas, 72046. A complete list of CDs, books, and DVDs are available online at charlescaps.com. Through the website, you can listen to this radio program again and subscribe to our podcast. This broadcast is sponsored by Charles Capps Ministries and our listeners in this area.